World's Finest Podcast, Episode 57. As always, I'm Michael Sims, and with me is James Doe. How are you, sir? Doing well, sir. How are you? I'm good. Busy. Very busy. Um, What else is new? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I'm good. I mean, you know, there's nothing really, you know, worth reporting on. But, yeah, you know, just keeping Earth 2 running. That's, That's what eats up my time. Luckily, I have this week off of work. I say luckily... Though I don't really mean luckily, because, well, it's an unpaid week off. Yeah, so that blows. But, you know, what are you going to do? It'll allow me to get ahead on a couple of podcasts, which is always good, always good. But anyways, what about you? What's going on with you? Well, speaking of unpaid vacations, uh, yeah, my, the one I'm taking in two weeks to go see Aaron is unpaid. So, but I don't care. I'm so desperately awaiting this vacation, I can't even begin to describe it, really. I'm taking a straight shot flight, no stops. No, it's not even like laying over in like San Francisco no. or anything. Oh my god! No, it's going to be like a almost eight hour flight. That's less than I thought. That's not terrible. Coming back, it'll be I'll be stopping in Portland or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I'll then I'll fly from Oregon to Atlanta. It'll be about ten hours and fifty minutes total travel time. But the only bad thing about that is I'll be getting back around nine p.m my time and then i'll have to be up for work at 4 a.m so mm. <laughs> it's gonna be a it's gonna be a very rough couple of days oh yeah having, having to leave aaron taking a 10 and a half hour travel flight whatever and then having to be right up for work the next day yeah Ooh, it'll be pretty nice. brutal but yeah. i don't care i don't care about that so uh anything else or should we get into some emails because i know we got a fair amount yeah we do and uh before before we even get to the emails um i mentioned this on the forums and if I know there's some people, you know, some listeners of ours who skip past the emails, and that's fine. I understand a lot of people want to just get into the, the bantering about the episodes and everything. Right, but, yeah. you know, you, you'll you want to stick around for the end of the emails here. Yeah. Trust me. So, uh, anyway, without further ado, let's get into them. Uh, first one is from Sylvia, who writes, Hey, guys, uh, the other day I was listening to an episode of your podcast, somewhere between episodes 44 and 46, and during the email section... A listener commented on how Bruce Wayne never chose Terry as his successor, but rather Terry stole the Batsuit and chose to be the new Batman. I believe this to be untrue because in the JLU episode, The Once and Future Thing, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Green Lantern go to the future and meet Terry and the new Justice League. And it's possible that Bruce allowed Terry to become new Batman because he accepted it as an inevitability. Hey, uh, he had seen Terry as the new Batman in the future. He accepted that it would happen no matter what, how much he, no matter how much he didn't want to. So what are your thoughts on this? Okay, now I have a quick question, because this is a very good point. This is awesome, Um, because what that episode, if if his theory is correct, wait, Sylvia, guy or girl, oof. I apologize. It's uh, Kevin. I was reading the uh, from line, and not the end of the email, where it says, yours truly, Kevin. Sorry about that. Okay, yeah, sorry. Um, But, uh, yeah, if, 
you know, if, if you actually examine Kevin's theory, what, what's interesting about it is, you know, when they come back, Green Lantern's faced with this, with, with a total mind fuck, because he has seen his future son. Yep. And at that point in time, he's with uh, Vixen and not Shaira. So he knows, you know, something is is going to change in the future, but he's trying to deny that that's going to happen. He doesn't want to think that so, that his future is set in stone. You know, so what does Bruce, what does Batman think of this, where he sees a future Batman? Does he think it's inevitable? Does he think it can change or what? But the question I have is, because I don't remember because it's been a while since I've seen it, is um, does Bruce... You know, when he goes into the future, so young Bruce, not old man Bruce, ever see Terry without the mask? If he doesn't, then he accepts that there's a Batman in the future, but he doesn't necessarily have to accept that it's this guy named Terry McGinnis. Yeah, I actually don't think he does see Terry. I think he just sees Batman in the costume. Mm -hmm. So he knows... Right, so it could be said that he knows that he's going to design a costume like that in the future, and that may influence, you know, the design of that costume. Uh, he knows that he may live to see that future. Um, but yeah, I do not remember him ever seeing Terry's face. I mean, and I don't remember Terry's name ever being said. Maybe it was. Maybe it was said in front of him. And if it was, then yeah, he has, you know, in, in the back of his head, you know, he, he accepts it probably when he first meets Terry, when he then ages and... We get to that first episode of Batman Beyond. What was that called? Rebirth? Yes. Yeah, so then it, it's all come full circle in his mind. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that one. Yeah. The Thanks for giving me an excuse to rewatch that. <laughs> exactly. It's such yeah. a great episode. Yeah. Um, but the only time I even remember Terry's name being uttered there is at the very end when he dies, when uh, the, the DDs kill him, and, and old man Bruce says, you know, yells out, Terry! And then he just he realizes Terry is dead, and he just goes... Terry, like really sad and everything, but that's obviously Batman. Young Batman can't hear that, so yeah, yeah. I don't even remember that happening. Because yeah. the whole thing with that is that in, that's like an alternate future, though, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, Chronos is fucked with the time stream, so right. everything is just going straight to hell. And you know, it it can be called an alternate reality, but you know, it's still got all the it's still got old static and. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, by alter- what I mean is it's it's an offshoot of the future we already know. Right. You know, so, you know, maybe Bruce, knowing that the future was mucked with, he doesn't think that that future is going to happen. Who knows? You know, it's time travel. You just kind of have to put your hands up in the air and go, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's so many plot holes that happen with time travel. You just got to live with it, really. Exactly, yeah. Okay, next one is from Tim, who writes, I was just wondering what your opinions are on the upcoming DC animation originals, Green Lantern First Flight, and Superman Batman Public Enemies. I'm iffy on the GL film, but as Kevin Conroy, Tim Daly, and Clancy Brown are returning for the latter, I really can't wait to see how it turns out. I hope they do the characters justice, because the quality of the films are very different. The new frontier is awesome, Gotham Knights, uh, Gotham Knight is eh, and Superman Dooms- Doomsday just suck balls. Yes, it did! <laughs> and I never saw the Wonder Woman film, but I bought it last uh, bought it last month for my cousin's birthday as a gift, and I'm still waiting for the Judas contract. What the hell is taking them so long? It better be worth the wait. Uh, they put uh, that. Oh, why did they put that on the shelf? It was put on the shelf for a reason, but I can't remember why. Sorry. But I recently read something, albeit on Wiki, so reliability is questionable. Mm-hmm. But we may have the possible return of the DCAU on Bruce Timm's Wiki page. He said uh, he looks forward to returning to his own style in the future. 
and the Abandoned Worlds Collide Crime Syndicate story probably will be one of the upcoming films he makes. And as it takes place in the slot between JL and JLU, it fits in DCAU continuity. If this does happen, will you cover it? What would happen if it came out after WFP ends? Would you guys, quote-unquote, come out of retirement? (laughs) I'm hoping... I love that. I'm hoping if they do... Uh, the Worlds Collide film, it will bring back the entire DCAU. The chances of that are unlikely, but hey, I'm a fanboy. Yours truly, Tim. Um, okay, let's let's address these in order. How are you feeling about the upcoming non-DCAU animated features, the Green Lantern one and the, what do you call it, Public Enemies? I know very little about the first flight mm-hmm. film, the Green Lantern film, so I can't really comment there. As far as Superman, Batman, Public Enemies goes, I am psyched for it. I cannot wait. I'm you know, I'm an unap- unapologetic Superman Batman comic fan, so I'm and, and I love the, the Public Enemy story. Say, you know, the the big giant bat bat Superman robot was a bit much, but you know, I liked it none, uh, all the same. And the fact that they got Conroy, Daly, and Brown to come back is great. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm indifferent to Public Enemies. Um, not a super fan of that trade paperback. I believe I reviewed the trade for the for Earth2.net a long time ago. Probably one of the first things I reviewed for the site. Um, regardless, I have read that trade. I've read it a couple of times, and I'm just not crazy about it. I, I don't think it's all that good. Um, I think the art's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Ed McGinnis' artwork is just brilliant. Um, but writing-wise, I am not a fan of Jeff Loeb. Ugh. I know most people at Earth2 aren't. Yeah. I, I... I like him. I'm sorry. No, no, don't, don't, don't apologize. Don't <laughs> apologize. You know, but uh, I, yeah. I remember Dez's rant on, on there, and I was like, yeah, I can't argue with that, but I still <laughs> like the guy. Yeah. So yeah, when it, when it comes to public enemies, that that's where I'm coming from. It's like you know, I've seen some images. It looks good. It looks mostly true to McGinnis's artwork, but it's one of those things where you know maybe I'll throw it in my Netflix queue a year down the line and I'll get to it, but I have no intention on seeing it in a hurry. The Green Lantern one, I'm actually a little hyped for, if only because of that fan-made trailer for the live-action Green Lantern movie. James, have you seen that? It was posted at the forums. I think Hannah posted it. I don't think I have, but I may have. just don't remember. Go check it out. I think I actually gave her a post of the day for posting something that awesome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, go check that out. So, I mean, it. So that has me excited for anything Green Lantern at this point. Um, but that's another one where I'm not going to go out and buy the DVD, but when it does come out, and that's going out real soon, I think at the end of July, um, I will throw that in my Netflix queue and give that one a look. Um, let's see, what was the other question? about uh, The return of the DCAU, possibly? Yeah, I would take that as a rumor right now. I mean, these guys have so much on their plate or plates, I should say, that I, I just don't see them getting back to the DCAU anytime soon. Um, but let's say, hypothetically, they do. And somehow that movie comes out before, you know, early 2011, which is when James and I are scheduled to finish WFP, and it is in the DCAU, sure, we'll cover it. If it yeah. comes out after the World's Finest Podcast has ended, will we come out of retirement? I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. Just we won't we won't Brett Favre the situation, so don't worry about it. <laughs> nice, I like that. Um, yeah, we'll cover it in one form or another. It might be covered on Earth Two to, at the show, um, and not World's Finest Podcast. I don't know. 
I don't know. You know, it, that's it's a it's a hypothetical, so I, I can't say. All right. Next one is a, a follow up from uh, Kevin here, who's actually is apologizing here. He says, "Sorry about sending you so many emails this week, but I would like to retract something I said in my email in episode fifty six. In World's Finest, Alfred did not, in fact, say that the dragon was around for generations like I thought he did. He actually says it was carved nearly thirty years ago. So I guess it was accurate." Yeah, and we were actually discussing this on the forums, too. I, Kevin might have actually made a post about it, but Aaron came in, and uh, she corrected everybody by posting almost the entire dialogue of that scene, I think. So, yeah, it's been it's been rectified. I guess, for lack of a better word, we know now that there was no plot hole. Alrighty, let's see. Next one is from Tim again, who writes, I know I emailed you guys a few days ago, but, I, but last night I was buying stuff on iTunes and set all my podcasts to shuffle. I came across episode 7 of Earth2.net, the show. Jesus Christ. Way back in 05. Wow. Okay. It was Okay. J- hang on. James and I were recording this Monday night. Okay. So two days before this episode is set to air. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, for, for us at least, so that would be Sunday, the 5th of July, I just posted episode 323. Episode 324 will air either... Uh, Tuesday the 7th of July or the same day this episode of World's Finest comes out I haven't decided and then episode 325 will come out this upcoming Saturday and he's talking about episode 7 wow <laughs> well he did say it was on shuffle mode so that's true there that's you true. go um, anyway uh, he says it was the cartoon special and it was also the first time we ever heard James go on a Captain Planet or Captain <laughs> Asshole rant um, <laughs> Mike there is no shame in having a crush on penny from inspector gadget because this kid who who i went to elementary school had a crush on gaia the spirit of the earth oh. yeah the one Whoopi goldberg played Ugh. Ugh. uh anyway the real reason for sending this email is asking you out of the dcau what is your favorite cartoon i know this is going to be the first episode in which you review static but really what is your favorite uh, in episode seven still can't get over that right. mike said for him it would be the then current jlu stas btas and teen titans um, you know, Teen Titans, that show that takes place in the DC animated <laughs> universe. Has that changed at all for you? Uh, James, what is your favorite? For me, it's either a toss-up between BTAS and JLU, although I suppose BTAS as it started the whole universe. Have a great time reviewing Static, LOL. If we're talking about favorite cartoon outside the DCAU, probably Avatar, The Last Airbender. I only saw it this past March when Aaron was visiting, and we watched the entire series in a span of like six days <laughs> but that should that just goes to show you what a fantastic series it is it's got brilliant animation brilliant writing uh it's compelling the character development is maybe maybe the best i've ever seen in a cartoon with everybody all the characters bad guys good guys bad guys turn good guys you know just everything about it is is spectacular i love Love, love, love that cartoon, and I am really, really not looking forward to the M Night Shyamalan live action movie. <laughs> there you go. Avatar is my answer for that one. But I, th- I thought he said, which, "What was your favorite inside the DCAU?" I thought. Oh, I thought he asked. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I read the email incorrectly. No, I, don't worry I, about it. I, I thought. Here's what I thought he said. I read out of the DCAU. I thought he meant like outside the. Oh, the I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So answering the question correctly this time. <laughs> um, Inside the DCAU, probably the original Justice League, uh, seasons one and two, um, with the original seven. There are so few episodes there that that are bad or even mediocre that 
you know, I, I, I just can't put any show above it in the DCAU. Even JLU, which improved it in a lot of ways, but the only the only thing, I mean, the only reason I put it maybe below Justice League Seasons 1 and 2 is I think there are a few clunkers here and there in JLU, especially in the latter seasons, but, you know, that's it's way down the line. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but, yeah, I, I Justice League Seasons 1 and 2 has so many epic uh, episodes, like the Savage Time, Star-Crossed, uh, Heroes, or was it Legends? I'm sorry. Legends. In my, in my Legends. Uh, I, I almost cry every time I see that episode. Um, you know, I, I I have to go with Justice League. Um, let's see. For me, for me, for me, for me. Uh, BTAS for sentimental value. Uh, for just what it means to the DCAU, to geeks in general, to animation and not even, not even just that, to television in general. Um, uh, I mean, think about it. That one show, uh, I'd really have to sit down, but I bet BTAS has the most spinoffs of any other television show ever. I mean, you know, if you look at uh, something like uh, All in the Family, we got the Jeffersons out of that. What else did we get out of that? Did we get Maude out of that? I have no idea. Okay, you know, we got we got several shows out of out of that one um and then, uh, and law and order yeah i mean law and order we got a couple of spin-offs you know it happens but i mean think about that think about you know a cartoon spun off into let, let's do this superman's one batman beyond is two gotham knights is three uh the two justice leagues are four and five zeta and static are uh, six and seven and then teen titans is eight have i missed any don't believe so okay so it is eight spin-offs my God, that's like almost unheard of. And from a cartoon series, come on. But would I call it my favorite? No. Um, for me, it'd probably be a toss-up between Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. I, I just don't know which one I would put ahead of the other at this point. Maybe, and I, 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 it's not even a maybe. When, when In our last episode, in episode 100, which will be like a World's Finest Podcast, uh, a world's finest podcast retrospective when we're just looking at all of the DCAU. I'm sure we'll come back to this, having seen all of it at that point. Next one is from Graham, who writes, Hi, Mike and James. Congratulations on finishing The Rada Project. Zeta <laughs> <laughs> was not that interesting to me. It was kind of boring watching it. Uh, I think the story still sounds good if you uh, read a good summary of it explaining the main story. It just sounds like something that would be a good story. But the focus on it went, uh, when it was made was just about how it was a spinoff of Batman Beyond. Uh, when really there's only one very crappy episode uh, with Batman, and it, barely, it shows barely any support that it's in the same world as Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and the Justice League. I think this would have been a great comic book series, whether it was connected to the DCAU or not, or DCU or not. I think it uh, still could have stood. Uh, I, st- I still could have stood a Zeta Project series if it was not in the DCAU or completely showed that it was and had heroes as guests on some episodes. They could dig deeper into the DC universe that they are traveling around in America. They could not. Uh, they could show what the future is for all the other DC characters. I mean, not every superhero has a Batman Beyond for their story. I also think a better Zeta project would not uh, would not have Agent West doing all those stupid things and the show being super kiddish. What would you think of a Zeta Project comic book or a changed redo of the TV series? Or would you just uh, have rather never the uh, the Zeta idea never exist? I still hope. Zeta gets a DVD release for season two. This DVD release should also include the last episode of season one, 
which was strangely not included in the DVD release of Season 1. Hmm. Uh, it would be kind of cool if they had the two Zeta crossovers on Batman Beyond included, too. I don't think Zeta has much of a future, though. Um, as, far as, as far as I'm concerned, Zeta had a lot of potential, but mm. because it was A, so focused on kids, and B, you know, the, the plots were, you know, pretty poor on, on most on most episodes, you know, it was, I'm not going to say doomed from the start, because that just, you know, that makes it sound like it was a, like a shitty show, and I don't think it was a shitty show. Um, uh, I liked I liked the idea of Zeta, like like uh, Graham says here. I thought I think it has a lot of potential. It was, you know, it was kind of wasted though because it was such a kiddie show, you know, a kiddish show. And you know, if it was given a more mature, uh, you know, backbone plot and everything, I think it, it could have been something a lot better than it was. And I, I'm kind of sad that it wasn't because, like I, you know, I've, I've said already twice now that. It, it could have, it potentially could have been a, a lot more popular show in the, the DCAU. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing some sort of Zeta comic book. Um, I'd like to see someone over at DC take up that task and, uh, yeah, have a Zeta comic set, I don't know, 50, 60 years in the future, um, and uh, just see what they could do with it, you know, not necessarily stay true to what we already know. You know, all they'd have to stay true to is that there's this, you know, killer robot gone good, and he's being hunted. I mean, they don't even have to reintroduce Roe if they don't want to. I, I definitely think the idea has legs, and, uh, yeah, if, if, someone, if DC were to put out a comic, I'd applaud them for it. Would I buy it? No. You know? <laughs> I just, I just wouldn't. Maybe I'd give the trade paperback a look, but I, I, I wouldn't buy it. But yeah, I'd, I'd like to see someone try. I'm all for comic companies taking risks. Um, yeah, and continuing, he says, even though I hate the company that made the fucking Jonas Brothers and Hannah Montana, DCAU fans are going to have to rely on them with Disney XD. Disney XD bought the rights to uh, Batman, the animated series, Superman, and Static Shock. And since Cartoon Network and Kids WB never plays the DCAU cartoons, and Boomerang rarely, uh, barely ever does, DC, uh, Disney XD is the main thing that will boost DCAU popularity, making a better future uh, for uh, DCAU fans to look forward to. And who knows, maybe the Zeta Project will eventually get on uh, Disney XD. The one cartoon I was surprised that was shown on Disney XD already is Static Shock. Wouldn't they choose another DCAU cartoon that is like a hell of a lot better than like Justice League or JLU? And speaking of Static, I'm overjoyed that you guys are reviewing Static Shock now. Even though WFP is getting farther and farther away... Uh, from the so very loved Batman, the animated series, and Superman, the animated series, WFP is also getting closer and closer to the awesomeness that is Justice League. Um, in regards to them showing Static, uh, my guess would be when they bought those cartoons, it was probably like a package deal. I would venture to guess that Static is a lot more kid-friendly than Justice League, and it being Disney, who knows. Well, as we're going to talk about in you know a few minutes here... It, it's kid friendly, but there's some there's some very mature shit going on. So yeah, yeah, yep, like there so is. we'll get into that in just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And one more thing, I have to say on this email, I have noticed that most of the emails that have been read on the podcast recently are letters asking you guys about the new Batman, Robin, and Red Robin, uh, or their or or about Brave and the Bold. Uh, I know that Mike loves this show, so instead of having a, sec, a half a second review on each new Batman, the Brave and the Bold episode, and saying how awesome it is on every WFP episode. 
why don't you just do a, a full review on the show? Mike told me on the forums that there would not be a podcast on it on, after WFP, but I think there should be at least some type of review on Earth2.net. Uh, why am I wanting it reviewed on Earth2? Because you guys are the best podcasters ever, and your written reviews are also really good. But keep up the great podcasting, which is not asking as uh, much as, as I will say it again, you guys are the best podcasters ever. <laughs> um, I would love to review uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold um, in written form or in audio form, but I do not have the time. I mean, okay, Earth 2 at the show airs, or it, it, I try to get it out twice a week. Lately, it's only been going once a week, but this week there's going to be three episodes. So let's just say it airs twice a week, right? Then I have Bigger on the Inside, World's Finest Podcast, and my new podcast, Mike and Nikki Make a Podcast. So I've got four, technically five, if you count Earth 2 at the show airing twice a week, podcasts to produce. Um which doesn't leave a lot of time to put another podcast in there <laughs> um, uh, or or to get any written reviews done. But yeah, I would I would very much like to do it. You know, I mean, sure, we you know, we could just do like one episode of Earth to at the show focused on Brave and the Bold, but covering, I don't know, what a whole season of episodes 26 or whatever it is, um, in, in one episode, that wouldn't do any of the episodes of the series justice. So it would have to be a series, and again, I don't have time for a series as much as I want to cover it. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. It, it, hopefully, somewhere down the line, it'll be covered in some way, shape, or form. I just don't know by whom or when. Sorry. Next one is from Eric who writes, Greetings. I must start off with the normal, I love your podcast. I found it five minutes ago and used the Clock King, te- uh, Clock King Tech to listen to all of it before I sent you this email. <laughs> that was awesome. Nice. <laughs> Also, I must add that you have inspired me to purchase some Batman paper trades, read them, and then dip them into a Lazarus pit for future reading. Hang on, wait, wait. I... Hey, wait, anybody from Warner Brothers or DC that's listening, send us money. I don't know how many emails we've gotten where people are like, I bought the DVDs, or I bought trade paperbacks because of you. Money, please. While I did have many a thought during your many podcasts, most of, most of which were f- answered by a fellow fan, one I, I have not heard a response to is that of the origin story being told a second time again on the Zeta Project. Uh, you stated that you had already heard the origin, or that you had heard the origin already and didn't see the purpose of seeing it again. The error you are making here is you aren't seeing it from the view of the time. Programs of this time were not made to be released on DVD. At most, they would be shown Monday through Friday on certain affiliates that would purchase those shows. So a viewer that came into the show a full year after the origin story who didn't have internet access, mind you, that wasn't uh, as common 10 years ago, would have no idea what's going on. And as you continue on to the Static Shot Chronicles, of which I sort of enjoyed and look forward to your reviews, I'd only ask that you keep in mind a certain event that draws close to when these uh, episodes aired that really did change a lot of television and really affected Justice League. Keep up the awesome podcast. I guess he's right. You know, The internet wasn't nearly as common 10 years ago as it is now. And the next one is from our good friend Ian Wilson, who Yay. writes, Yes, to the Sims Doe conglomerate. It was my 24th birthday recently. Congrats, my friend. Which I gleefully reminded those old-timers presenting bigger on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Thanks to the material uh, advantage of still being alive, I've entered my 25th year in possession of Batman the Animated Series Seasons 1 and 2. And in Money, celebration- please, Warner Brothers. Hint, hint. <laughs> I'd no like hint. To... Okay. <laughs> Send us money if you know what I mean. I mean, there's no hint. <laughs> Very nice. 
Oh, God. I'd like to rephrase a question that I put to you in an earlier episode. Rather than saying, was Clayface a more consistent villain than Luthor or the Joker, I think uh, I should have asked, which Batman or Superman character was enhanced the most thanks to their DCAU treatment? And it's probably a hard question, because the DCAU, uh, DCAU did a lot for the image of so many characters in the DC Universe, but I wondered if the animated series ever turned you from actively disliking a character in the comics to loving their, their portrayal on the small screen. Uh, Mr. Freeze. Oh, yeah, hands P- down. Period. Period. And end of discussion, Mr. Freeze. Um, I think you also have to throw uh, Renee Montoya in there. Um, I don't know if she was a character in the comics before the animated series. Um, but something wants to tell me that she was. But even if she wasn't, I think, uh, like, something the DCAU did did for comics was introducing certain characters, uh, such as Harley Quinn and potentially uh, Renee Montoya. But, uh, yeah, James is right. Hands down, it's it's Mr. Freeze. You know, it's just a shame that a certain movie ruined Mr. Freeze outside of comics. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um... Anyway, I'm fully up to date with the Zeta Project clipping process, but I won't be able to produce a segment until you're done with Static Shock. Static Shock. So, chop, chop. <laughs> Stereotypical regards, Ian. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. Um, I should note that episode 325 of Earth 2 at the show, which will air this upcoming Saturday. What's the date on that? That would be the 11th of July. Oh, I don't know might feature a certain review of a certain Batman movie that was directed by a certain director that a lot of people hate. Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) Yeah, episode 325 will finally feature our review of Batman Forever. Um, I should note it was recorded like a month and a half ago, and I've been sitting on it because I've been too lazy to edit it because the raw file is over three hours long. But yes, you will be getting it this Saturday for sure. So yeah, y'all can Yay! stop asking now. He's including me in that, people. <laughs> You're not the only one that 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 was in on that recording that's been asking me about it either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, and as I've teased a couple times here, uh, we have a very special email. Um, about I want to say it was about two weeks ago, maybe. Yeah, I guess it was about two weeks ago. It was right after uh, WFP 56 aired. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like days afterwards, yeah. Yeah, just a couple days. Um, I sent an email to Julie Nathanson, who did the voice of Roe in the Zeta Project. And, you know, it was was fan mail. I was uh, complimenting her on her uh, her voice work as Roe. And, you know, I never expected a reply, truthfully. Or if I, if I was going to get a reply, I figured it was going to be, you know, a generic response. Because, and that's not, I'm not begrudging that happening or anything. Because, you know, voice actors are very, very busy people. Oh, yeah. The reply I got was anything but that. Um, she, she wrote back uh, saying, uh, hello, James. Thank you. Uh, what a lovely note. Thank you so much for taking the time to write and for your kind word. I loved voicing Ro. She has always been one of my very favorite roles. Uh, the Zeta Project was a terrific experience, and I got to work with a team of really special people. I wish it could have continued on, too. And thanks again for writing and for doing your podcast. I listened to a brief excerpt, 
and heard some of your thoughtful and thorough reviews. I'm sure fans of DC Comics appreciate the work you put into it. Take care. Warmest, Julie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Miss Nathanson. That was, I, I, that was awesome. Um, I, like I said, I never, never really expected such a, a warm reply. Um, and, you know, it's, it, I, I don't know if, if she will hear this at all. It, I, I kind of doubt it, but you never know. Uh, so, and I, I sent a re- another reply to her, uh, saying that, you know, if she ever, ever had the time somewhere down the road, if she wanted to do an interview with us, just talking about voice acting, uh, in general, talking about the Zeta project, anything she wants, she, uh, uh, she is more than welcome to, uh, to talk to us. We would be honored actually to have her on here. So the, the invite is extended and thank you again, Julie. That was, that was great. Welcome to our crib, Virgil. Cozy. This place should be on that show, This Old Warehouse. I like you, Virgil. You're funny and you're smart. But keeping Francis off your butt takes too much of my time. I I never asked you to do that, Wade. Hear that? Dissing, Wade. You must be crazy. Word. That punk Francis is looking for street cred, young brother. One day, he's going to catch you out there and I won't be around. Sick dude like him. Who knows what he'll do then? Gee, I was kind of hoping he'd get bored of me and go terrorize a tank. This is no joke, Virgil. There's only one way you're going to save your skin. Roll with my crew. Me? You don't want me. I'm only 14, and I'm too stringy to be a banger. Don't front, Virgil. I'm offering you life insurance. You join up, and F-Stop will back off quick. He ain't looking to tangle with this posse. I feel what you're saying, but it's my pops. He's got a teeny little problem with gangs, and I'm too young to be homeless. Your pop's going to watch your back all day? He going to beat on F-stop for you? Always said you were smart, Virgil. Don't prove me wrong now. Okay, and here we go with Static Shock. Uh, The first episode is called Shock to the System. And before I even get into the summary, uh, yeah, I realize that this is uh, a, a very, you know, urban... Uh, oriented show, and we're a couple of white guys reviewing it. So, if if we say something that offends you, first off, stop being such a, a prude. But uh, second off, we're sorry. It's not it's not intentional. <laughs> anyway, what are we going to uh, say that offends? I mean, <laughs> I, honest, hey, I don't know. You never know. <laughs> Some people get offended by little shit. You don't know. But, but anyway, but okay, <laughs> the history of this show. I mean, just look at half the crap that comes out of my mouth. You know. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Anyway, uh, you know, before you get before you get into the synopsis, you, you mentioned this being an urban show, and you know what? I want to talk about this real briefly. I actually applaud uh, Warner Brothers for putting this show out, for focusing on a character that wasn't well known. It is based off of a comic book, uh, off a milestone comic book, which was an imprint of DC for a short while. Uh, so I give them credit there. I give them credit for going with. Uh, a black lead set in an uh, urban environment and not doing a uh, very cliched kind of stereotypical setting like like he lives in the ghetto or something like that you know what i mean right yeah um and you know uh, so far we've only seen 5 episodes of course i give them credit for not trying to make static super hip i mean yeah they're trying to make him hip and young but he's not spouting off like uh, any sort of like uh What's, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Gangsta rap. Yeah, not, not quite what I mean, but yeah, I mean, he, he's, he, he doesn't sound dated. 
I mean, this came out what in two thousand, two thousand one. I don't even know off the top of my head. But yeah, he he never really sounds dated. There's some dated references, but the dialogue never sounds dated. Um, so so far, I think the the writing uh, has been really good. Uh, for this character, and again, I just give DC, not DC, but Warner Brothers, a ton of credit for taking a chance on on this. Mm-hmm. Amen. Uh, okay, and this this first episode starts with your generic, uh, you know, burglars robbing an electronics warehouse. When who should show up but Virgil Hawkins, aka Static, complete with all kinds of electrical superpowers. Um, he easily dispatches the goons and gets the cops' attention to round them up. And at this point, he starts a flashback sequence uh, that informs us that two, two days ago, he was just a normal, everyday teenager. And uh, his home life is pretty prototypical, too, except that his mother passed away a few years earlier. But he still has an annoying older sister. And uh, at school, Virgil's best friend is named is this, uh, is a white kid named Richie, uh, who, who kind of speaks uh, street talk for some reason, but okay. Um and Virgil also has a mad crush on this girl named Frida. Um, and also typical in your kind of, I guess he's a freshman in high school. Is, am I right? They say he's 14. So yeah, he's probably a freshman. Okay. And there's, so there's this bully who constantly torments him and beats him up and, uh, named, uh, Francis F stop stone. F stop. You've named yourself after something that has to do with cameras. Uh, Okay. Anyways, continue. <laughs> so yeah, this dude has red and yellow, fiery colored hair. So if you know a little bit about this show, you kind of see where his character direction is going to go. And um, thankfully for Virgil, there happens to be this very large black guy named Wade who kind of watches over Virgil to make sure that ass clowns like F stop uh, don't beat him up. And... <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I, I know. Um, so anyway, after school, Virgil and Richie are walking home and uh, Richie parts ways, and unfortunately for Virgil, this leads to him coming up on uh, Mr. Francis, uh, who, along with his posse, traps him in an alley and proceeds to beat the shit out of him. Uh, Wade and one of his uh, crew happen upon the alley, but uh, F-Stop's gang's lookout warns them, and they're able to flee before it, uh, they can stop the beating. Um, Virgil has a black eye and probably massive internal bleeding, but of course, we, this is never confirmed. Um uh, Wade tells Virgil to meet him under a huge bridge later uh, that night, which Virgil reluctantly decides to do, despite having to meet his father later. Uh, there, Wade uh, basically forces Virgil to join his gang to protect him. Uh, Virgil heads home, and he makes up some bullshit excuse about playing football, uh, th- that being the reason for his messed up face. And he goes to his room and receives a call from Richie, begging for him to say that he hasn't joined a gang, since word travels at the speed of light in Dakota. And he also makes a big reveal uh, that Virgil's mom died in gang fire some years earlier. Uh, uh, Virgil then gets a call from Wade uh, demanding for him to meet him and his uh, his crew down at a chemical plant, I believe, uh, so that he can settle Virgil's problem once and for all. He... Uh, so he goes down to the place, and shortly thereafter, a big gang fight starts. Uh, Francis's gang and uh, Wade's gang just start duking it out. There's sh- sh- shit's going on everywhere, and uh, the police have gotten wind of this. And the choppers close in, and one of them shoots a tear gas canister uh, into a tank of some mysterious noxious purple gas, causing causing it to explode and 
sending this gas just over the entirety of the grounds. So everyone in the gangs is just smothered by this shit, and, and they all start mutating in different ways. One guy's skin completely melts off, another guy's eyes glow. It's not very pretty. Virgil actually manages to get over a fence, so he isn't, like, uh, overcome by the gas, but he still is exposed to it, and it causes him to fall unconscious. Um, the next day, he actually awakens in his room perfectly fine, but he weird things are starting to happen. His bed sheets start clinging to him like, like they're inhabited by a ghost or something. And uh, when he walks into the bathroom, the shaver turns on, even though it isn't plugged in, and the lights turn on, even though the switch is off. So eventually he figures it out. He has electrical superpowers. Uh, he calls Richie to um, meet him at a scrapyard, and he showcases all of his newfound abilities, uh, to which Richie exclaims that Virgil should be a superhero now. And Virgil loves this idea and proceeds to crash into a pile of junk cars. Uh, uh, Richie says they need to get him uh, some gear. Uh, and after several massive failures, they find a costume uh, for him. And this is where the flashback ends, and we go back to the present, and the cops are wondering how to get these burglars down because they've been stuck to the ceiling uh, by static electricity. And Static sees some of the boxes that belong to Dakota High School. Uh, the burglars were apparently stealing all this shit, and that happened. some of this stuff happened to belong to Dakota High School. And he uh, takes the stuff with his, he, with his powers. He can, you know, levitate things. Uh, so he takes them all to the high school, and Frida is there asking Richie where Virgil is because he, he had volunteered to help them put up the decorations for this dance. And Richie makes up a pretty funny excuse, I have to say. So, uh... Virgil shows up as static and puts on a show, putting up the decorations, lighting everything up, and he actually f- openly flirts with Frida, which causes him to wonder why this is so easy for static, but not for Virgil. Finally, we go to a, uh, the hospital where several of the gangbangers are screaming from the effects of their mutations. One guy actually melts completely off of a table, uh, and another one has turned completely purple, has warts all over his body. It's not, not pretty at all. And finally, we see Mr. F-Stop uh, gaining incendiary powers. Who would have thought? <laughs> uh, so he starts laughing, laughing and cackling, and he bursts into flames, busts through the wall of the hospital, and goes down into the city saying, this is going to be fun. Well, Mr. Sims, thoughts about the opening episode? I thought this was a really strong opening for the most part. Um, I think my only real gripe with it is that, uh, you know, we don't get to see Virgil's training his coming to understand his powers you know he wakes up as you said the sheets clinging to him the razors working even though it's not plugged in he's able to you know light up light bulbs just by holding them and then next thing we see him doing he's standing on cars flying around a junkyard and it's like i I very much would have liked just a little something just like a, a minute or two where we actually see him progressing not going from lighting light bulbs to flying cars um but beyond that yeah this is a very mature opening episode because as you brought up they say that virgil's mom was killed in gang crossfire virgil is asked to join a gang um and he's not even asked to join he's told he's joining um, he gets beat up really bad in a back alley, and had Wade not come along, he might have been killed. And then, and then, when he shows up for that gang fight, and he, you know he shows up reluctantly, it should be said, he's handed a gun. 
I mean, just the balls it took to put this into, you know, what's pretty much meant to be a kid's cartoon are pretty damn big. And the fact that they got away with it, I've said this before, you know, and I will continue to say it whenever I feel it necessary. I applaud the producers of the show and the network uh, and the studio for actually allowing all that to happen on screen. I'm with you. I love this opening. Um, I'm not sure how I like static opening the episode and then just going immediately into flashback, Mm -hmm. but but I'm not, like, overly angry with it or anything. And I think this episode accomplished a hell of a lot. Uh, we Right off the bat, we see that Virgil is very repressed, introverted, hopeless romantic type. Um, but it's static. You know, he's, he's the exact opposite. He gains more than superpowers. He gains confidence and moves and skills that Virgil could only dream of. It's, it's a lot like The Mask and Stanley Ipkiss, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought that they've already gotten a hell of a lot of character development just in this opening episode. And as far as the learning curve goes, I have a note about this in our next episode, Aftershock, but I guess I could say it here. I can I can kind of excuse it because they they pretty much show right off the bat, Virgil is a smart kid. Yes. He, he's a very bright kid. He knows what he's doing. So, And he's good. He, they say he's a good science student. So he's going to know a lot of things that go into electricity and, you know, the, the effects, electric, electrical effects on everything in the world. So, you know, Well, there, I, there's I, a difference between knowing about electricity and, you know, figuring out how to use your superpower, you know, that just happens to be, you know, electricity-based. Um, I mean, seriously, from, from lighting light bulbs to floating cars, and seriously... What, a half an hour? An hour? Because he calls his buddy and he's like, hey, come check this out. And he comes running to the to the junkyard. They, they, like, barely any time has passed. And it, he, just, he just learned it way too quick for me. Way too quick. I can I can understand that. Um, let's see, what else? How, um, how about the Black Vulcan costume? Yeah, and I, I, that was... Okay, that's interesting for, you know, people who are like our age-ish. But the demographic that this is that this show is aimed at, which would have been I don't know twelve year twelve you know people you know people who aren't even teens, so probably like what six anywhere in between six and seven and like I don't know ten eleven twelve. There's no way they're gonna get that joke. Nothing wrong with it though. They might have seen the old Super Friends cartoon or something. I I just somehow doubt it because again, as as it was pointed out in in an email. They were on VHS. They were on VHS, I mean, but not necessarily DVD, and they weren't exactly the easiest things to come by. The, the parents who were watching it with their kids would have got the joke, but not the kids themselves. I did like Richie's line about, you look like a battery commercial. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like Richie. I think he, he's pretty clever. He's got, he's got wit about him. It's, it's nice. Yeah, he's, he's a cool character. I like him uh, bouncing off of static. Um, I'm not keen about him always being there whenever like a battle starts. Because it's like, come on, come on. Richie and Virgil are friends. And Richie's always hanging around with Static, who has the same fucking haircut as Virgil. Hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's like, no, when the battle starts, you should run away. You should be nowhere near him, you know? <laughs> but regardless, he's a good character, and I like a lot of the character dynamics. Uh, you know, between, you know, Static and him. 
uh, between Static and his dad, Static and his sister. What's his sister's name? I can't remember. Oh, shit. I, I'm drawing a blank on that myself. I, I'm sure it's been said in one of the five episodes we watched today, but I don't remember. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, just... I really like the way the characters play off each other. It's 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 really good. It's really it's a it was a really strong opening, you know. And that the character dynamics continue into the at least the four other episodes we watched today. The only other thing I have, I want to say is, and this is something I remember from way back when I watched uh, Static back in the day. But uh, at the very end of the episode, I swear to God, it sounds like Virgil uh, says, "I put a shot to your, your sister." <laughs> I I can't hear an M an EM on the end of that word at all. No matter, no matter how much I crank the volume up, I don't hear system. I hear sister. <laughs> just saying, just saying. I think it's funny. Yeah. Um, I do have a few more notes about this, this episode here. Um, there's a puff daddy reference. So that dates this right here. Puff daddy. <laughs> um, the, the Virgil goes from having a black eye to a bruised cheek. Yeah. It's like, okay, what happened there? At first I was like, oh, he Bruce waned himself. The black guy's just gone, right? But no, it, now suddenly he's got this bruise on his cheek that he didn't have before. Um, so that was a little irksome. Um, and you know what? I said I really only had like one gripe about this episode, but I do actually have a second. And that's that at least as of the end of this episode and the four we have seen today... That gang story has wasn't resolved. Nope. I mean, yeah, they mutated, so you could say, oh, they've got other things to deal with than you know their their, their gang and trying to get Virgil to join. But that's still a big thing to throw out and leave just dangling there. And that is one of those things where I look at it and I go, I kind of have to take a point off for that. You know, and there's something in the next episode we're going to talk about that doesn't come back up either. There's a hint at it uh, in, in a later episode, but it, it's not resolved by the end of the episode in which it's introduced. But yeah, you know, regardless, I'm just I'm just going to repeat myself here and say uh, very solid opening. And this is one of those episodes where I would really recommend people like find a way to get their hands on this and sit down and just watch this because. Uh, if, if you've never seen Static and you've you just never had the desire to see it, just because for whatever reason, this episode could potentially turn you out of the series, I think. York, the mayor's going to cave. Go to the lab and erase everything on the hard drives about our mutagen formulas and the shipping records. But don't forget, when all this blows over, I'll be starting up again. So save everything on disk. Okay, next up is Aftershock. In this one, this takes place like the next day after the one that we just spoke about, uh, which was, what was that one called? I just totally lost it. Shock, Shock, Shock to the system. Yeah, this, this is literally the next day. So we're seeing a lot of the aftermath, which I think is, is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, um, what's going on in this one is, um, uh, first off, uh, Virgil, static, he has to, um, you know, he, he ends up fighting uh, F-Stop, who's now calling himself Hot Streak. Yes. Uh, still, still, it's it's not it's a little better than F stop, but I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> um, you know, uh, F stop, hot streak, whatever is running amok in town. 
uh, just blowing shit up because, hey, he's a douchebag and that's what he does with his fire powers. Uh, so he has to stop him. And at the same time, um, uh, Virgil's dad is starting to... He's scared. He's scared by these so-called bang babies. Um, by all these metahumans that are, have been created by this gas, because we're finding out the gas traveled as it does. It wasn't isolated to the gang members on that pier, you know. So other people are just starting to randomly transform, and uh, you know it's scaring the town. So he goes to a town hall meeting, which is about like budgetary concerns or something, and uh, he, uh, while he's there, he, he you know, grabs, goes up to the podium and he's like, what are you going to do about this? There's, there's something very nasty going on here and it has to be dealt with. And the mayor's all like, oh, we'll talk about this in a month. He's like, no, we're going to talk about this right now. Um, so the mayor's like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll hear you out. Well, after the meeting, we see the mayor, uh, meeting with, uh, I cannot remember the guy's name. I think it started with an A. Alva. Alva, that's it. Okay. Ed, Ed, Edwin Alva. Okay. Meeting with him, and he is the one who, uh, it was it was his mutagenic gas that caused this whole mess, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we start to realize there's some sort of conspiracy. There's a cover-up that's going on on the mayor's part. So then Alva, uh, when he's, he's dri- you know, he gets in his limo and he's driving away. Uh, he phones up a crony, and he's like, the mayor's going to, going to, back out of this thing so uh trash the hard drives back up all the data but trash the hard drives and uh, static overhears this because he's able to create like uh i don't know like those things you see on like the sidelines of like football games with the the microphone that's super amplified or whatever he's able he's able to hear the conversation through his powers they never explain it with a, with a trash can lid yeah there you go actually quite quite good actually i think yeah it is pretty cool what they were doing there so he hears this and he flies away and he goes to uh, Elva's uh, factory or whatever uh, to try to stop the destruction of this data. And, uh, you know, he, he gets into a fight with this crony. He ends up getting uh, the disc. And, uh, like, the next day, uh, maybe it's that same day, I don't remember, uh, he gets into a fight uh, again with Hot Streak. And uh, during that fight, the, uh, the disc is actually destroyed, so he can't prove anything. Um, so, you know, that bums him out, but he is able to capture Hot Streak by, um, covering him in sewage. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he beats this guy who is then, uh, put away. So I think that synopsizes this one. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. Uh, so what were you thinking about this one? I think it's cool that they're just continuing with the story immediately and not like two weeks later or whatever. So it's, that was kind of nice. It's not something we generally see in, in the DCAU. Like I mentioned in the last episode, if nothing else, they're showing that Static has an almost unlimited kind of uh, arsenal of electrical capabilities. Uh, like he uses that trash can lid as a sound enhancer. He amplifies uh, sound through a car antenna. But there's nothing else that I remember about this series. They're going to continue this throughout the series. He's going to he's going to think of new ways to expand his arsenal and uh, and his really detective work, if you want to call it that. I didn't dislike this episode. It certainly wasn't as good as the last one, just because this was a lot of fighting. It was just a lot of fighting around. But I did like how Static beat Hot Streak, because Hot Streak thinks he has the advantage. Like, he gets him out in the middle of the, the woods, basically, when there's there's grass and dirt and mud everywhere. There's nothing he could use, but then Static, you know, is using his brain, says, look, look, asshole, there's, there's metal everywhere, and he just 
rips the sewage line up and douses him with it. So I lo- I really did like that a lot, actually. Um, so it's I think it's a solid episode, not spectacular at all. Yeah, so. I, I call this one pretty middle of the road. Um, I was actually kind of let down, this being the follow-up to Shock to the System. Yeah. Um, I, I think... I think along that line, it it was kind of to be expected, just because Hot Streak, we see at the very end of the last episode, Hot Streak just walks straight into the city. And so this may have taken place the same day. Uh-huh. Uh, and it, we're going to wonder, if, if this was like two weeks from now, we're going to wonder, okay, what the hell did Hot Streak do to the city? Why, uh-huh. uh, what, what's going on? So it really does kind of make sense for Static to be battling Hot Streak right right in the middle of the street that, that same day. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, I, I know I interrupted you. Go ahead. Oh, no, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't remember what I was going to say, so it doesn't matter. It's okay. <laughs> um, though one thing I do want to bring up is, you know, at the end, Static thinks that he ripped a water main, and, uh, you know, Richie reveals, no, that was a sewage pipe. Um, but I have to question uh, what would really happen if you covered a flammable guy in sewage. I'm just saying. Yeah, with all the methane gas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think it would it would douse the fire in the slightest. But who knows? Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't want to find <laughs> out. Um, but like I said in the last episode, we spoke about with the gang story being dropped. In this one, the whole mayor cover up thing is dropped. Now, in in an episode coming up, Pops is reading a paper, and it does reference some sort of conspiracy. But it's a real subtle thing, and if you're not paying attention, you're not going to notice what's on that paper that Pops is reading. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I'm a little disappointed that they bring up this thing with the mayor, and it just goes nowhere. Um, it, I, will come, it will come back eventually, I know. Okay. As far as right now, I, I I agree with you, but it does definitely come back. I know that for a fact. Okay, then then I can forgive that, you know, that they're building towards something. But right now, you don't know if they're building towards something or just throwing these out, these plot points out there, and they're just forgetting about them by the time the credits roll. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Because there's nothing at this point to say that they're leading to anything. It's so early. It's just too hard to tell. One thing I like this episode for is we get the DCAU uh, debuts of both Maria Canals Mm -hmm. and CeCe Pounder. Yeah, as, uh, what was it, Shelley... Sandoval. Sandoval, the news reporter, and she comes back, of course, and, uh, of course, you know, she's she's hot girl, and uh, the mayor is uh, C.C. Pounder, uh, uh, who goes on to play Amanda Waller, which is really cool. Yeah, yep. when I was listening to Shelley, I was like, is that hot girl? I'm like, that's hot girl. And then we get the mayor, and I'm like, that's Amanda Waller. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, Amanda Waller it was the one I noticed first uh, immediately, because she has a very distinct voice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, here's something I have to mention. Uh, if there's one thing that we can be certain about in this series, exploding computers are perfectly acceptable here. <laughs> yes, I mean, who knows what Static is is doing to those computers with his powers? But yes, as long as he's not punching them and they're exploding, as long as he's using his powers to make them explode, I'm not even going to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> Though I. I I did wonder if those computers that he delivered at the end of Shock to the System would actually work <laughs> when they got hooked up in the computer lab at school. I mean, he, he's put some, like, static electricity bubble around them. I, I don't know if those things are functioning anymore. 
at least not with him, with him not around anymore to yeah. power them up by just standing next to <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> um, That's a good point. Yeah. There was, uh, I don't know if, if this was supposed to be a comic book reference or not, but at one point, Static, when he confronts F-Stop, says uh, something, 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 or should I call you Burnout? Uh, James, you know that comic book, Gen 13? Yeah. The fire guy in there is called Burnout. So I don't know if that was supposed to be a reference to him or if he was just calling him a Burnout or what. I have no but idea. <laughs> it's something when I heard it, I was like, hmm, that's either a reference or it's just a coincidence. But either way, it had to be brought up, I thought. you know. But speaking about Burnout or F-Stop or Hot Streak or whatever we're going to call him, Okay, dude, you lose all street cred when you attack people with exploding hot dogs. Yeah, no, go away, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have nothing to add to that because I agree completely. <laughs> um, <laughs> fuck hell, exploding hot dogs. Uh, oh, <laughs> like how do they even explode? I want to know how that works. You yeah, know? I mean, it's it's not like the sewage line where you can have methane gas exploding or something. These are just fucking, they're wieners, <laughs> and they're just being set on fire. That happens in a fucking barbecue grill. Oh, Christ, exploding wieners. Okay, anyways. Um, I had to say it. You okay. know I did. <laughs> um, something I'm already tired of with this cartoon is the Static Shock Wonder Woman twirl. Oh, you mean the transformation sequence? Yeah, yeah. Like Sailor Moon? yeah. Yeah. In my notes, I said, what was with anime-like spinning? You know, because in this one, it just comes right out of nowhere. He's just doing it. And then he does it again. I, I, if not in the other three episodes we're going to talk about, at least in two of them. And I'm like, oh, this is going to get old quick. And by the time we hit that fifth one, I was like, it got old quick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I because... mean, it's it's just like 20 seconds of filler. We need filler. Oh, have him spin. Yay. Yeah, because the only way that works is if we're to assume that the electricity is creating that costume, and Mm -hmm. it's not. It's just regular old department store clothing. Right. And yeah, 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 he's not Green Lantern, because the thing with Green Lantern is that's not clothing. That's like a projection of the ring. But that's not the case here. We saw Virgil actually change into that costume in the first episode and in subsequent episodes. He's carrying around in his backpack. So it's like, what is going on there? Is he creating an electrical bubble around himself saying, oh, hang on a second, bad guy. I have to change clothes in this little bubble that I've created for myself. Just hang on, you know? That is so (laughs) anime-like. It's just, I just see it as like stupid filler. Completely useless, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, once in a while would be fine, but in, you know, I want to say three or four of the episodes we're talking about today, ooh, not so much, not so much. And I think the last thing I want to say about this one is, I think I noticed a slight mistake. Early on in the episode, um, Richie and Virgil, they're watching the TV, and the, um, the, the Shelly, the newscaster, calls the, the Bang Babies mutants. And Virgil's like, oh, I don't want to be a mutant. And Virgil, or, uh, Richie's like, well, what do you want to be called then? He's like, a metahuman. Okay, fair enough. But then later on, at the dinner table, Virgil's dad uses the phrase metahuman. So yeah, where did he pick it up? That. And other people in subsequent episodes start using the phrase too. And it's like, Virgil never said that in front of these people. The news has never said it in front of these people. They've referred to them as mutants and bang babies. So how did metahuman become part of the 
Dakota Lexicon. Yeah, I'm overthinking it, but um, that's that's kind of my job on this podcast, you know. <laughs> and speaking of which, I think Virgil made a mistake at the end, near the end of the episode. He called his victory a, a Petrus victory, but he meant to say a Pyrrhic victory, i.e., uh, you know, one where a victory where the victor suffers a devastating loss, i.e., that CD that got melted. Uh, so there was a that was a mistake. So uh, again. I'm overthinking this, but it is a mistake. Join us. We're a new breed, the meta breed. Good for you, but I think I'm out of your species. Just because I gassed it and messed up your face doesn't mean you're not a freak like us. Ugh. Up there, they call us creatures, monsters. They force us to go underground. But it's all to the good. We've been biding our time, bonding. Take Destruct here. Up there, he was an outcast. But with us... He's found a home. Right, Derek? <sighs> Derek? So, what about my offer, hero? Uh, thanks, but I don't play well with others. You think you're better than us? Temper <laughs> talent. He needs time to think about it. <gasps> I warn you, Static. If you're not down with us, you go right to the top of our list. See you soon. Even Ripley wouldn't believe this. Next up is The Breed. In this one, Virgil, Richie, and Frida are watching the track and field team because Frida's in the journalism club, and she needs some kind of story. And they see who I assume is the top athlete in the school, Derek Barnett, basically destroying everybody in the sprints. He's beating these people by y several yards. <laughs> so uh, Barnett actually walks up to the group, but he completely ignores Frida and, and asks Virgil if he'll tutor him in algebra because... Uh, if his grades don't improve, he's going to be kicked off the team. Uh, Virgil loves this because hanging out with Derek is going to do wonders for his non-existent reputation. And uh, later, while Virgil is tutoring him, Derek starts to get some really bad pains in his chest and his abdomen, which causes him to have to leave. Uh, while mentioning that he'll he'll be able to, uh, you know, make his mom proud again with these great grades he's going to be getting. Uh, so while he's waiting for the bus, his eyes start glowing. And when he gets on the bus, he turns into this glowing amorphous blob that looks almost exactly like Proteus from Marvel Comics. And he accidentally starts unleashing these ion blasts from his hands, uh, blowing up the bus and, and causing a patrol car to go flying all over the place and uh, nearly through the front of a store if it weren't for static intervening. Uh, he starts uh, fixing the damage done, but he never actually saw uh, you know, Derek uh, do any of this shit uh, or you know, the, whatever, Proteus or whatever, he's 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 not named at this point. So uh, Derek actually starts wandering around in this glowing blob form, and uh, he goes into an alley where this shadow engulfs him in, and pulls him inside a wall. And we, we go down to an abandoned subway tunnel, and Derek finds himself surrounded by freakish metahumans uh, called the Morlocks, or I'm just going to be um, a, f a few days later, Richie shows Virgil a new toy to play with, which becomes his new hoverboard, and he then comments that Derek hasn't been seen for days. Uh, Static goes out on patrol when he's attacked by the freaks from earlier, and uh, the shadow guy takes uh, Static and phases him through the wall down into the subway tunnel like Derek. Um, the, leader, the leader of this group, the shadow guy, uh, introduces himself as Ebon, Master of Shadow and Darkness, and the others, a girl with feathers and wings named Talon, and a very, very crazy Asian guy 
uh, clearly one beer short of a six-pack, uh, named Shiv, who makes weapons out of light. And he finally he introduces Derek as Destruct, and Static puts two and two together that this has to be uh, what happened to Derek. Um, Ebon then reveals their group name, The Breed, and he offers Static the chance to join their group, which he flatly refuses. So Ebon takes uh, Static back up to the service and says he better make the right decision, because if he doesn't, he's going to go to the top of their list. So the next day, Virgil and Richie go to Derek's house to see if his mother knows where he is, but she doesn't. And she actually blames herself for him running away uh, because they had been arguing about his grades and whatnot. And so Virgil and Richie uh, search online for the subway tunnel where the breed are hiding since Virgil never, you know, traveled there. He was pulled through a wall there. And the only thing he saw that would clue him into as to where this place is is a couple of letters on a broken sign. Um, that night, you know, that night the breed attack uh, an armored car. Static tries to stop them, but... Uh, Derek sort of unwillingly blasts Static out of a window, and they assume he's dead. Uh, so the next day, Richie figures out that the only possible station where the breed could be uh, hiding, and Static flies off to this place. And when he gets there, he tries to talk to Derek, but Ebon traps him and tells Derek to blast him, to which Derek blasts the breed members instead, and he and Static get away on a broken subway car, and they fend off all the breed members following them until Ebon gets inside the car, and as he's about to engulf them, uh, in a shadow for, I guess, for all eternity or something, Static creates a huge blast of light, uh, which dissolves uh, the guy. So that's pretty much where that ends. And later it's it's revealed that Derek uh, is volunteering himself uh, for Bang Baby research to figure out what, you know, the effects of this gas and blood and all this other stuff. So that's pretty much where it ends. I think this one is definitely a better episode than uh, the previous one mostly because I like what they were doing with Derek. Um, what, what was his name again? D... Uh, Destruct. I'm D- sorry, I D- forgot. Yeah, yeah D- Ebon creates the name for him. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I like what they were doing with him where, you know, he's he's trying not to change. He realizes what's happening and he's trying to fight it, trying to fight it. And then when it happens, he's, he's he accidentally blasts a cop car and he accidentally blasts the bus driver, and he's just putting his hands up saying, no, 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 I'm not trying to hurt you, and he hurts them, and he gets wrapped up with this gang. I mean, there's a lot of parallels to what was going on in Virgil's life in that first episode, being forced into a gang. It's just, yeah. with Derek, he uh, he saw no other path for himself, where Virgil did. And I don't know if they were trying to draw parallels, but we, the viewers, and, and you and I, James, we can draw the parallels. And... Uh, you know, by doing that, I think it makes the first episode and this episode much stronger because it, it, it shines a certain light on something that happens every day in the world. Some kids can find a way out of the gang lifestyle. That was Virgil. Some people can't, and that's Derek, and it makes it all the more tragic. Um, so I, I think that's very strong. And, you know, I know it's only three episodes in, but it's really nice to see that Static's buddy is actually useful as opposed to she who shall not be named <laughs> for Batman Beyond. Who has a couple of voices in these five episodes. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I think I heard her a few times. That's all I'm saying. I honestly don't remember that. Yeah, I think I... she was... There, there was a gang member in the first episode, a female gang member, and it sounded like her. And there's something in, I want to say... Not the next episode, but the fifth one. Where, oh, yeah, yeah, the uh, one of uh, Ice Pack's groupies. Um, Ice Pack. One, one of his groupies <laughs> is, is, is a woman, and I'm pretty sure it was her, too. I didn't recognize it, but maybe that's me. 
uh, tuning her voice yeah. out because of, of she who shall not be named. Yeah. But again, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I'm 99% sure it was her. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm point, sorry. What were you point, saying, though? Point being, I'm glad Richie, there, he's useful. He's smart. He's doing things that don't interfere with Static's job. Because what I like about him, and I'm a little sad that we didn't see this in the first two episodes, is that in this one, we start seeing that he is smart, too. He's a bit of an inventor. Yeah. You know, and I knew that going in, having seen episodes down the line where he's got, like, a high-tech backpack, and he's got this other shit, and I, I knew he invented the, what are they called, shock boxes. Um, I, I knew that was all him, and then I'm watching these first two episodes, I'm like, where is this? Where's this element? And then when it came up here, I was like, okay, good, good. Um, and now that I think about it, though, I think it would have been a shame if they introduced that element in the first two, because those first two episodes take place over such a short amount of time, it wouldn't have made sense for him to be like, hey, I just happened to invent this. Let's use yeah, this. Exactly. Where now it's probably been a couple of weeks that Static's been on the scene, so it, it, it makes much more sense that he's been able to sit down and come up with some cool devices. Uh, including the the hoverboard thing, and again later on the shock boxes. Speaking of the hoverboard, he says that it's mylar. Mylar is made is, is a material for balloons. Are we really saying here that mylar is stronger than reinforced steel? I guess so. <laughs> and I I don't know if they have another element in their in the DCAU called mylar, but yeah, hmm. if that's the if that's the case, I'm gonna go take I'm gonna go to work. I'm gonna buy some uh, mylar balloons from our or floral section, and I'm going to create myself a uh, a weapon <laughs> or a, a bulletproof shield. Yeah. <laughs> or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you go try that out and tell me how that worked out for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Anyway, one thing I have to ask, though, is about, uh, something about the breed. Now, these guys are supposed to be freaks that couldn't walk amongst normal humans, you know, like, like the Morlocks. Um, but... but what exactly was so wrong with that guy Shiv, other than the fact that he's a complete psycho? Physically, he's normal. Yeah, I think it's just that he was a psychopath. That's all. Yeah. But you're right. Okay. When when you look at him compared to the other ones, there's nothing wrong with him. I mean, yeah, he can change his body to look like things. I think he could. He created sword arms at one point, didn't he? Sword arms, boxing glove, spring arm, yeah. uh, hook arm. But he had complete control of that, where we see that Derek didn't. He tried, but he didn't. Um, and the, the girl was a bird girl thing, and right. Yvonne is just this just shadow, walking shadow. Yes, yeah, so I, I think he was just down there because he was knocking futz. But uh, speaking of Yvonne, awesome, awesome character design. Hells, yes. And the way they used his powers, where, you know, he envelops these these people and you know they, their body piece by piece seems to be disappearing into the shadows that was awesome and uh i i'm 99 sure he comes back i could swear i've seen other episodes oh, of him yeah he's he's pretty much he pretty much becomes static's arch nemesis okay that's cool but i'm worried that uh you know down the line they're gonna get lazy when it comes to animating his power so I mean I'm 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 trying not to have that mindset, but it's there. I do wonder. It's sort of like ink or clayface. When you have a power this cool that looks this good visually, and you set it up and make it look strong in that first appearance, you have to be at that level or better from that point forward. Otherwise, you're going to notice that it's taken a step back. Oh yeah, I mean it was some awesome animation with him because when Static obliterated him with the light. Oh yeah. 
That was so cool. Uh-huh. How about er- really early in the episode, chill out, Lois Lane? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what we have to remember is that Static Shock did not start out as part of the DCAU. No, it did not. It was just a cartoon on the WB or whatever, and because uh, there's there's that famous line that everybody points out. Even Clark Kent had a day job, and then of course he meets the Justice League somewhere else down the line. Yeah, so that's a bit of a, a foobar on their point on their part, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a funny line nonetheless. Another one that follows up pretty soon after. <laughs> I'd mentioned this in the plot, but static is like do you know what hanging out with Derek Barnett is going to do to my rep and then Richie's just like uh start it <laughs> yeah it's <was> good <laughs> <laughs> um uh, speaking of, of of Derek though was I the only one that thought that he looked like Obama um go and look at know, it again what? his design looks like a, pr- a young Obama okay granted they didn't go hey let's draw Obama into a cartoon because this was produced years before Obama was anybody but I'm just saying I'm just saying I saw Obama I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> um, there were there were a lot of cultural references here, though. I, the Shiv guy like creates uh, like light baseballs, and he says Sosa dreams of being this good. Yeah, yeah. Which I find kind of funny in 2009 because I'm thinking. Yeah, he dreamed of being this good since he used steroids and corn fat <laughs> and all kinds of other shit, probably. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, just saying, <laughs> just saying. Oh, and another another funny moment. I, I, you have to kind of pay attention to hear it, but when, like, when uh, Derek is first first morphed into the uh, giant ion blob thing, and he blasts the cop car almost into the convenience store. These two fat women are walking out of the. One of them says, it's great. It's called the butter diet. That's what I thought she said, but I wasn't 100% sure, and I didn't feel like rewinding it to check, but that's what I thought she said. Yep. Uh, it, you have to pay attention to it, because if you just see these women walking out, you might not hear what they're saying. And yeah. This cop car comes flying at them, so... Yeah. I, I don't know what to say other than the fact that I just said that line, and it's it's quite funny. Yeah, yeah. You know, as, as it is my job on WFP... To, you know, to point out little like Easter eggs, uh, there's there's two uh, in one scene, and they do this all the time with streets. You know, we get the milestone, uh, the milestone street station, and when we actually see the milestone street station, it's at the corner of Milestone and uh, Cohen or Cowan streets. Uh, milestone, of course, was the imprint of DC Comics under which Static, uh, Hardware, uh, what were some of the other Milestone comics? I don't remember off the top of my head. But uh, that, that those comics were published. Of course, there's a reference there. Uh, Cohen or Cowan, uh, that's actually a reference to Dennis Cowan, who was an artist on The Question, and he was one of the, the co-founders of Milestone Comics. So they were giving a little nod there. And I think he actually helped produce the show, too. I could be wrong, but I, I, thought, I think he has a producing I think, credit. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I, I just love when they do that. I mean, that's, that's what they do with, with these shows is they, they, they nod – at their comic book forefathers, at the people who led us to this point. Because if it weren't for the comics, we wouldn't have this cartoon or cartoons like this. So, you know, you have to throw those little nods in there. And I like when they're subtle, too. Uh, you know, it's it's cool seeing Kirby Lane or Lee Street, but those are so obvious. It's a pie in the face, you know? Right. But when right. you see Cohen, it's like, oh, that could just be the name of a street, you know? But unless you're a geek like me, you're not going, oh, yeah, he, he drew the question for, like, almost 40 issues. You know, he helped create Milestone. You're, you're not thinking that. It, it, it'll go over your head. But uh, 
for the people that do know it, it's a nice little treat. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the producer list here, and it says Dennis Dennis Cowan mm-hmm. was a director. So yeah, but uh, you know, having got that praise out of the way, there's a bit of a mistake in this episode, and it's kind of a big one. When Virgil goes to visit Derek's mom, she says that he ran off after a fight, and she hasn't seen him since. When did this fight happen? Because he was at Virgil's house, got sick because he started to change. He left, jumped on the bus. That's when he became destruct or whatever, and was found by Ebon and his gang. So exactly when did he run off? When did he have this fight with his mom? Before school? Before he was supposed to get tutored by Virgil? But she makes it sound like it was like after the tutoring gig. Um, I'm going to attempt to justify this because, uh, we don't know if, uh, actually I take that back. We do know that she didn't, uh, that being his mom did not know about the tutoring because Virgil tells her, no, look, I was, he was trying to fix his grades. I was tutoring him. She didn't know about that. Mm -hmm. So he, that means she didn't know that he was going over to Virgil's house to get tutoring. So it had to have happened before he went right before he went over to be t- tutored by Virgil. Okay, okay, I, I, I can accept that. Okay, all of the microorganisms we're looking at can be found in any normal dirt, except those guys in the photo just float around doing nothing, while these guys move like Soul Train dancers. Yeah, it's like they can think, but how? They've been Big Bang. That's how. You're kidding. The nuclei—they're the same color as the Big Bang gas. It must have seeped into the ground, turning the bacteria and stuff into metamicrobes. Great. How do we stop it? Next up is Grounded. In this one... Um, okay. Static... I'm going to give this like two minutes, I swear to God. Static ends up fighting a giant sort of amoeba? Is that what it is? Uh... Is, is, is yeah, that? It, I don't even know. Technically, is a single cell organism, I guess. Okay, because what we find out is that the gas that created the Bang Babies also affected the soil in the city of Dakota. So <laughs> it created this giant Earth amoeba mutant thing that is just running around terrorizing this city. Uh, while that's going on. Um, Virgil's female friend, what was her name, Frida? Yes. Yeah, she is uh, part of the school newspaper. This has actually been established before. I think it's established in the second episode, uh, uh, Aftershock. It might have been the first one, though. Um, What we find out is that, um, you know, in typical, I should say, stereotypical, cliched television story point, uh, the newspaper's budget is slashed, but they, of course, didn't slash the sports budget. You know, so so she's having a fit uh, about that, and she's also pissed that her editor, the faculty advisor, won't run a story about this happening. So she decides with three of her cronies that they're going to break into the school that night to publish uh, an unauthorized edition of the paper to get the story out, and then because it's unauthorized, the faculty advisor won't get in trouble, or so she thinks, even though he still would get in a lot of trouble. But that's just, you know me overthinking it. But anyways, um, so they're running around the school. Uh, Static and Richie are running around in the school because the amoeba thing shows up. There's a janitor cleaning up all over the place. 
bad. So now Static has to save uh, his would-be girlfriend and her friends and stop this creature um, with ammonia, bleach. I don't even know what he stops it with, but whatever. He stops it by throwing some cleaning chemicals on it, and the episode ends on a really, really, really bad quip. Oh. What did he say? What was it? I fought a cold today, or I fought a virus today, or something like that? I, I think I got a germ. Oh, yeah. Something oh, like that. That was bad. That was bad. But, uh... Basically, it was two stories that didn't need to come together, that did come together, and they never quite fit together the way they should have, no. the way they were going for. And, yeah. Basically, okay, it, I said basically already, but I'll say it again. It's it's one 10-minute story and another 10-minute story just mushed together to form a 20-minute story that just didn't work, is what it boils down to. You know, again, not a it terrible episode. It was a blob, episode. you might say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not a terrible episode, but a little below average at the same time. That That's kind of my initial thoughts about this one. What about you? Yeah. Why was this episode called Grounded again? I mean, it, they say it affected the ground. I mean, that was it. That was why this episode was called Grounded. Mm-hmm. When I think... when I. Th- saw the title of this episode before I watched it, I'm thinking, okay, well, one of two things is going to happen. Virgil is grounded, so he can't be static, or he's, his powers are going to be nullified or something because of you know dirt or earth or something to the, that effect uh, quashing his powers. But, well, no. I'm going to say, I think what they were going for at this point is trying to continue this electrical theme. Shock to the system after right, shock. You know, they skip over, you know, the breed, they skip over that, but then grounded. You know, that that's what they were going for, and then they quickly abandoned that. I can just see by looking at the upcoming titles. But, yeah, you expect a certain kind of story when, when it's called Grounded, and the title barely fits. Barely fits. Yeah. And, and here's a, I think, is a big problem with this episode. How are there not tons and tons more of these giant amoeba blob yeah. things? Yeah. If 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 the soil was affected and it created this, the city should be overrun by this this thing or things. Well, the, the soil being affected doesn't even make sense because the soil that's been affected isn't near the blast site, and gas rises. Yeah. So it should have been like a cloud creature, not a soil creature. The only way you could have got away with a soil creature again is if it was a soil creature that was from the blast site, and hell, maybe it was, and it, it moved over to where it, Virgil first encountered it. Who the fuck knows? You know, but they, they don't bother to explain really how this thing came to be. And oddly enough, I don't care. <laughs> I just don't. Neither do I. Yeah. Um, um, that said, though, the creature was cool in certain regards, like when it ate that big hunk of meat and it just spits out the skeleton and it eats the tuba and it it melts it. So we understand that if anybody gets gobbled up by this thing, they are dead. Um, So it's menacing, but it's lame. It's just lame. (laughs) Um, And here's another thing. In Aftershock, F-Stop makes the point that Static cannot do anything when there's no metal around Mm -hmm. in this episode he levitates two students in wooden chairs that is but mm -hmm. but in aftershock i'm sorry in the first episode he picked up a bunch of wooden boxes uh to take them to the school that 
it, this should be a point off of Aftershock and not this episode or the first episode. That line never should have been uttered because right. he can apparently he can pick up anything with his electric powers. Right, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very clear at this point, it, like in the first episode, they didn't have a full grasp on what his powers could do. And then in the second episode, they were trying to establish what his powers can do. And then they completely forgot about that and just said whatever. And there now he can just pick up whatever because I like the idea that he could only affect metal. That makes sense, you know. And now he's doing wooden chairs. I mean, that's literally the last note I wrote down. If Static's powers, quote unquote, only work on metal, how is he able to levitate two wooden underlined chairs? And someone might be able to write in and say, "Well, the wooden chairs have metal screws in them." But come on, metal screws—that—that's what we're gonna go with. No, no. <laughs> I really don't have many more notes, other than the fact that I I completely agree with you on the on the two plot lines, absolutely having no chemistry whatsoever, and then just being thrown together in a horrific clusterfuck that makes no sense whatsoever. I don't think this is slightly below average. I think this is well below average. <laughs> yeah, I might knock this one down a point when we get to our scores in a, in a little bit here. But uh, and the reason for that is because of what I'm about to say. What I just realized. Do you know what this episode is? It's an episode of Scooby-Doo. I'll, I'll prove this to you. We, we have this really kind of bumbling, cartoony music going on in the background. The animation is much more cartoony. We have overly cartoony antics. And we have the janitor, who I think they try to hint may be the amoeba creature. Because at a couple of points, we see like green goo on the floor around him. And at one point, I expected them to like pull off his ma- like pull off a mask and like the amoeba would be underneath. That is... Fantastic, sir. I applaud <laughs> that. That is so true. Hold it, guys. Hold it. He's our guest, Adam Evans, right? You're a very talented young man. When my colleague at the record company played me the tracks you submitted, I knew I had to have them. So you stole them? Nothing personal, Adam. I'm in the music business. It's the way we do things. But you're too tough to cheat. I'll see that you get your credit on the next pressing. And as for your money... Just take as much as you can carry for now. We'll work out the details tomorrow, okay? As much as I can carry, huh? You just made a bad deal. One of us did. And finally up today is They're Playing My Song. Uh, in this one, a big-time record exec is talking to someone on the phone when a rubber ball inexplicably comes bouncing into his office. Uh, so the dude hangs up and wonders who could be in the building uh, throwing a ball around since he's supposed to be in there by himself. But the ball turns out to be a bang baby in disguise with uh, rubber extend like plastic man-like powers. But since he's in a purple suit, we'll say elongated man powers. Um, and the guy claims that the exec stole from him, but the record exec says, look, dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. You want to go after this guy, this hot new rap artist named Ice Pack. He's the one who stole from you. Uh, so the So the guy... Uh, whose name is uh, Adam Evans, I believe. Uh, he leaves, and he finds Ice Pack's limo and attacks it, uh, but uh, Static intervenes, which allows Ice Pack to get away. 
uh, but Evans, a.k.a. Rubber Band Man, as Static calls him, uh, it beats Static down because, well, rubber being resistant to electricity and all. Uh, so uh, the Rubber Band Man lets Static go because he's not, he, as he says, he's not his enemy. He wants Ice Pack. And later Virgil asks his dad about a raise in his allowance because, you know, as he tells Richie, the, the superhero thing is... Uh, eating up his allowance because he has to buy new shoes and clothes all the time from them being melted and singed and whatever else. Uh, but instead of giving him a raise, uh, his dad has signed him up for a work-study program at a fast-food restaurant. Uh, so while he's working there, Virgil's friends show up uh, with Frida listening to the new, the brand-new Ice Pack album, which has been released that day, and there's a big signing uh, with Ice Pack. He's going to be in Dakota, and they all, all the kids want to go. And When... Uh, when all of a sudden this angry guy walks by uh, hearing uh, hearing uh, Frida listening to uh, the, the Ice Pack album, and he rips her earphones out of the player, uh, which she's not too pleased about. But uh, when the guy storms out, he throws down a CD that belongs to him, and Virgil tries to say, look, dude, you've left your CD, but he uh, storms out. And turns out the guy is rubber band man, and he uh, morphs back into his costume because he has shape-shifting powers, and... Uh, he goes to this big ice pack autograph signing that everyone's talking about. Uh, he disguises himself as a woman and kind of flirts with ice pack for a minute. And he reveals himself uh, to be the rubber band man. And he takes ice pack to the top of the, uh, the record company tower. He just puts him on top of this thing. There's a, there's a small little square up there where he can just stand. But if he moves at all, he's going to fall to his grisly demise and rubber band, Man uh, demands the money and props for uh, because he wrote the beats that uh, Ice Pack is using in all his so- or in this song in his you know number one hit song and uh, but Ice Pack look says look dude I wrote the words but the music was you know given to me it was supplied for me and uh, he said uh, Rubber Mammon's like look you tell me who who uh, stole from me and if it's true I'll come back and get you down from here. Uh, so meanwhile, Virgil is cleaning the restaurant up, and he puts the CD left by the disguised rubber band man in, in the player. And uh, when he plays it, it's it's uh, all it's all audio. There's no words to it. And he recognizes the beats from Ice Pack's new album, and he thinks, well, why would there be a remix of this already out? Uh, but then he thinks he remembers that he's that rubber band man said that Ice Pack stole from him, so he re- he knows right now that that was the rubber band man. And Frida runs into the restaurant saying that Ice Pack has been placed on top of the Spire Records uh, building, and he's going to fall if somebody doesn't help him. So Virgil manages to get out of work and into costume, and he catches Ice Pack before he plummets to his death. And uh, Ice Pack is rather ungrateful for being just uh, just having his life saved, but Static uses his own little methods to get the information out of him. And it turns out that Ice Pack's producer was the one who stole the beats from a uh, rubber band man, a.k.a. Adam Evans. Uh, so... Already at the producer's estate, uh, Evans walks in, uh, actually at the behest of the producer, Biggie Smalls, or I'm sorry, uh, DJ, DJ Rook. Um, so Rook says uh, that Rubber Band Man can take as much money as he can out of his vault, and later on they can work out details. Uh, foolishly, uh, Evans accepts this offer, walks into the vault where the unnamed fat, uh, or I'm sorry, where uh, Rook says that, uh, you know, you've made a bad deal or whatever it was. And he locks him in the vault and he says, look, dude, you've got about a 30 minute air supply. So, you know, do whatever you want before you uh, suffocate to death. 
So he struggles to get out of there for a while until Static arrives and manages to get him out. So Evans bursts out of the vault and tries to suffocate the producer himself uh, using his powers, but Static uh, fools the rubber band man long enough to get Rook out of the mansion, and he traps the guy on a playground jungle gym as the rubber band man arrives to finish him off. But Static pleads with him to stop this because now he'll have his money and fame. You don't have to kill this guy. He's going to go to jail, so on and so forth. And uh, But Evan says, well, that's not enough. Uh, I, it, I'm not going to have any street cred. So, yeah. Uh, so Static uh, ends up gluing uh, Evan's foot to a carousel and twirls him around so badly that he can't even get undone. So... DJ Biggie Smalls goes to jail because it was revealed that he stole music from tons and tons of artists. So Evans goes to jail, too, for trying to kill a big fat guy. And later it's revealed that Virgil lost his job when he skipped out to do the static thing. Oh, my God. This episode has so many fucking problems. So many problems. Okay. First off, it takes like a good, I don't know, five, six, seven minutes before we find out what Rubber Band Man is going off about. You stole from me. Now you stole from me. You stole from me, too. You stole. What did it... It takes him forever to get around to say what was fucking stolen from him. And then when it does happen, okay, you can kind of sympathize with the guy. You know, no one wants their their art taken from them. You know, we all want credit. So, okay, you know, but it, it just takes way too long to get there. When Rubber Band Man is trapped in the vault later on, uh, Biggie Smalls says, you know, you got 30 minutes of air, but if you keep struggling, your air is going to go away a lot quicker. He then grabs his throat, and he's like, <laughs> and he starts gagging into the commercial cliffhanger. What, he, he, he used up all the air in 30 seconds, and then when we come back from the commercial break, he's still banging on the door as if nothing happened. So it was this totally, like, unresolved you know, teaser cliffhanger. Yeah, unnecessary yeah. Uh, cliffhanger. So that was bullshit. Um, okay. Where did Static get the glue? Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> you know, I mean, just all of a sudden he's like, I got glue! Like, you carry that with you? Do you eat that when you're hungry? I mean, what do you do with glue in your pocket, you know? And then the thing that pisses me off the most is why is Biggie Smalls going to jail? He's not going to go to jail for stealing other people's riffs because he's going to have lawyers and contracts that that say that he can do that. So he's airtight there. Okay, so you want to claim he's going to jail for attempting to kill Rubber Band Man? Bullshit! Because Rubber Band Man came to kill him. Him locking him in the vault? Self-defense. Yep. There was no reason he should have went to jail at all. I mean... I'm sorry I'm ranting about this one, but this episode just pissed me off because of how many mistakes it had. Or not just, just, not mistakes, pardon, just just problems it had. Uh, And I'm looking at my score, and I'm like, why did I give it this score? I have to bring it down, so that's what I'm doing right now. Anyways, I'm off my soapbox. What about you, sir? (laughs) Um, let me see. How about this Evans character? I loved what they were doing with him at the start, because... Like like I said earlier, he lets Static go. He's like, "You're not my enemy." Mm-hmm. He doesn't he doesn't kill Static, which he very well could have done. He could have pretty much he was handing Static his ass on yeah. a silver platter, and he just let him go. I like that. I like that a lot. But as it happens so many times before, he just becomes another villain in the end. That was uh, my big problem. That. Uh, I noticed you didn't mention because I agree with everything else you said. And uh, there's actually one thing I just looked at my notes that I forgot to rant about. 
Static died in this episode. That door fell on him. It, okay, notice, it's but, at an angle, but it's still on him. He's not just underneath it. He's going to be pinned under that in some way. Well, see, I know I did notice it. Believe me, I noticed mm-hmm. that. But there is a column that it gets, hit. like you said, it's at an angle. It gets thrown up against. So yeah. there's a good space that he could be under there, and it's incredibly convenient for the plot. I agree, but I can I can forgive that one. Just because of how it landed. I, I, I just can't, because he would have had to have been pressed up against that column. He would have had to... Okay, yeah, it's a cartoon. Yeah, I'm overthinking it. But he's still under that door, and he would have had to fall in the right way to have had that thing not even touch him. And I, I just can't buy that that door didn't hit him in some way, shape, or form. And if that thing hit him in any way, he's his bones are shattered, and his internal organs are oatmeal. So, much. yeah, that, that was another point that kind of got under my skin. So, sorry about that. How about Bud Bundy doing the voice of the record exec? Oh, was that him? I didn't catch that. That, that was David Faustino, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, no, I didn't I didn't pick up on that. But uh, but speaking of uh, things along that line about voice acting, I think they need to proofread their credits a little better because they list Phil Lamar as the voice of Virgil slash Static, mm-hmm. which is, of course, correct, but... Two names down, they list someone else as the voice of Virgil slash Static. No, did they? Yeah. Oh, shit, I'm going to check that as soon as we're done. I'm actually writing this down, check credits. <laughs> That's cool. Who did they list, do you remember? I don't remember the, I can't remember the second name they list. I just know that there were two. It was a Phil Lamar as Virgil Static. Another name, for I think it might have been for Rubber Band Man. And then after that, Virgil Static. Uh, somebody as virtual state. <laughs> Again, as a diehard baseball fan, I have, I do love the line, a purist would never lose an, <laughs> an aluminum bat. <laughs> right on. Right on. <laughs> I have, I, I'm not going to give this episode a point or anything for it, but since me being a baseball fan, I, gotta, I love that line. You know what? I'll give this episode something. I'll definitely give this episode something. Um, I don't like Rubber Band Man's costume. It's, it's, yeah, it, it looks like barely any thought was put into it. But I like the way he moved, kind of the fluidity of him. But that's really all I can give this one. Did his costume kind of remind you of Mongol? Oh, the Superman villain? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could see where you're coming from, sure. I was just thinking that. I might have subconsciously thought of that earlier, but yeah, that that's who I'm thinking. Or the purple with the white kind of things on his forehead. Mm. I don't... I don't know. That's it. Just reminded me of Mongol no, for some reason. Yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, but uh, I'm really trying to think. Is there anything else I could give this one on the positive side? And um, hmm, no, no, no. Okay, are there any more negatives I can rant about? Um, <laughs> uh-huh. I hope so. Yeah. No. I'm seriously in that opening diatribe of mine that I just blew all my notes right there. It happens. <laughs> I just went through I, all. It was like it was like me and rats. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I got nothing else about this one. What about you? I'm perfectly good with going on to the grades. Good. I just want to be done with that one. Okay. Good. Uh, what do you want to give shock to the system? I'm gonna give that one an eight. Ooh. Okay. Good. I'm gonna give that one a. I, I got a seven written down. I think I'm going to stick with that. Um, Aftershock. Uh, I'll give that a five. I'm also giving that a five. The Breed. 
breed, I'm going to give... Ooh, I don't know. I'm kind of torn on this one. Uh, I'm going to give it a 6, but I think on a better day I might give it a 7. Really? Okay, uh, I'm going to give that a 6. Uh, grounded. Uh, a, a 3. Uh, that's going to get a 4 from me, and they're playing my song. 2. Two. Uh, I had originally had that as a four, but I marked it down at two or three as we spoke about it. And I'm sitting here thinking, should I make that a two? But no, I'm going to leave that one at a three. Yo, Virgil! I'm worrying about his button. He's rushing me off the phone and... Whoa! Tell me that's not cool. How the heck did you... There was an explosion last night. There was this gas. It changed me, Richie. Check it out. Whoa. Yeah, no more asking my pops to borrow his car, dude. Uh, you don't even drive yet, V. Whatever. Oh, and I rather like this. Talk about your static cling. V-Man, you could so be a superhero. I could, couldn't I? Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss five more episodes of Static Shock. Those being The New Kid, Child's Play, Sons of the Fathers, Winds of Change, and Bent Out of Shape. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. (laughs) 